From WDBM, East Lansing. You are listening to The The Undercurrent. Our weekly news and storytelling program. Made by and for the students of Michigan State University. You are listening to The The Undercurrent. From WDBM East Lansing. Hello and welcome to The Undercurrent on Impact 89 FM. This is our weekly news and storytelling program, and I'm your host, Cole Tunningly. Today we'll be talking about seeking help. The majority of our show will be taken up by Nina Rao's new talk segment, Loose Ends. She's reporting on the struggles of international students facing mental health crises, the differences in the way mental health is stigmatized across the world, and the process of seeking help when you're far from home. All that is coming up soon. Stay tuned. If you would like to get involved with The Undercurrent, you can email news at impact89fm.org. It's that simple. We're always looking for volunteers. There's no experience necessary. We can teach you everything you need to know. If you think you're already an expert at this audio journalism stuff, you can apply for the assistant news director position. You can find that job opening on our website. It's impact89fm.org. You can also find every episode of The Undercurrent online at our website. That's impact89fm.org slash the hyphen undercurrent. Seasons one through eight. God, we've been producing the show for a while now. The Simpsons started to get worse around season nine. I hope the undercurrent has more longevity. Again, you can find everything we've produced online at impact89fm.org slash the hyphen undercurrent. Or you can subscribe to us on iTunes to have the show on your phone. We'll try to keep the quality stellar and professional. Now, I'm proud to present the debut of Nina Rao's Loose Ends as a segment on The Undercurrent. You may have heard the show a few weeks back during its run of standalone episodes, but now you can hear it every other week here on The Undercurrent. And here's the first one, right now. So what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? What does that mean? You are listening to, to Loose Ends, a bi-weekly podcast from Michigan State Student Radio that seeks to define America through an international perspective. We feature underrepresented voices to answer the question, what does it mean to be American? Alina Zhu's first impression of MSU was positive. At the first months, I said I I was very happy because everything was new to me. Very new city like in Michigan is very different from like culture in, in China. Because like East Lansing is very quiet. At night, the sun still on the sky like, until 8 p.m. But in, in China, it's impossible. It's about like sun, sunset, about like six. So wow, it's, it's still like very, very like sunny, like sunshine outside until eight. But that slowly changed. After the first month, I just say, okay, I already know, know the new things. It, they are not new to me. Like I already like kind of adapt to the, 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 the new environment. And at that time, I feel like, it's not like before. I just don't feel like that safe or that comfortable like before because I need to do, do many things by myself without anybody be with me. Even if I have like my roommate, but we still have different schedule. So <clears throat> at that time I just realized I need to grow up. And definitely I have some period, like the, the period of very, very sad period. And um, <clears throat> I feel like, okay, there's no one. This was a result of her choice to study abroad at Michigan State University. 
And if you haven't guessed, she's a senior from China studying accounting. And I feel like MSU have very good reputation in the business because I know I want to study in business major. That required sacrifice on her part and her family. She had to move to a foreign environment for the next four years, leaving her life in China behind. That's why her parents accompanied her transition from home to MSU. They took a mini vacation in the East Coast before Alina had to attend student orientation. Her parents stayed with her throughout the whole process. Yeah, and they just leave on the first day of my class. And at the moment they left me, I feel a little bit like struggling. And okay, my, my parents leaving me, and they are, now they're very like far from me after that day. She's not alone. Thousands of international students like myself felt that the day we left our families. 50,344 international students, to be exact. That's MSU's population of us since 2016. It causes a lot of emotions and feelings. Fear, hope, sadness, anxious, and a lot of other things that can mount to something larger, affecting our mental health. And that's what we're going to talk about today on Loose Ends. This is the fourth episode of season one, and I'm sharing an experience that's least discussed. How does mental health affect an international student versus a domestic student differently? Are there any differences or similarities? And do foreign students need to be quote-unquote American to adapt the culture, risking their mental health in the process? Stay tuned. I would say my, my mood not very much changed because there's always a, a thing make you happy or make you sad. But I would say after I came to MSU to study abroad, I would say I became more like independent. That was Alina Zhu explaining how she's changed emotionally ever since moving to MSU. Compared to before, if I got some bad day, I would be very, very frustrated because I still think I was very young at that time and I cannot handle my mood. But now I know like, okay, but my parents are not here. There's no one I can really, um, like, <clears throat> besides my very close friends. And I know if I have, have a very bad mood, I can only depend on myself to make me happy. So she taught herself how to control her thoughts and feelings. And that meant letting go of them and not really overthinking. She calls this as, quote unquote, not being too emotional. I gradually like to be like more like strong compared to before. I cannot say at at the certain moment I changed, but like I changed gradually. I would say like about a year, like like my whole freshman year, I was like in the, the struggling and to grow up. Yeah, and until my sophomore year, I just feel like very comfortable like now. I feel very safe to be here by myself. And so why freshman year? 
it's not like before. I just don't feel like that safe or that comfortable like before because I need to do do many things by myself without anybody be with me. Even if I have like my roommate, but we still have different schedule. So <clears throat> at that time, I just realized I need to grow up. And definitely, I have some period like the, the period of very very sad period, and、um, <clears throat> I feel like okay, there's no one. Her second year at MSU provided some changes to her life. I live in an apartment in my sophomore year, and even if I have my roommate, but we're in the separate room, and we like more individual compared to the freshman year. And for 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 my, my eating my meal, I for my eighty percent of my time, I just eat at home. I cook by myself and eat by myself. A moment at my sophomore year, I think that is the only time in my sophomore year I feel very alone. Shortly after, she joined a fraternity. They would have meetings once a week at 7 p.m. Alina would take the bus to attend since she didn't have a car, and her apartment was quite far from campus. Going back and forth was a while since the bus would arrive every 20 to 25 minutes. And when my、um, my meeting is finished and all.、Um, And I need to waiting at the kind of bus station along to wait for the bus coming, and at night I feel very very like unhappy at the time. Like feel like, yeah, I think that that is the the only moment I remember. Like I feel very sad, and I feel very like kind of like a little bit depressed. In those moments, I asked whether she'd share her feelings to someone close, like her parents. So at first I want I wanted to tell them, but they. They are not very understand me, or they can help nothing. But if I know they can help me nothing, but I still tell them, they they just like worry about me, but but do nothing. So I'd rather just digest by myself. The long distance and cultural barrier provided to be challenging for her. And even if she did tell her parents, there was no way for them to be able to do something immediate. MSU has counseling and psychiatric services offered to students that face difficulties like Alina's. She doesn't see the point in using these services. I feel like I'm not that serious. I think I I have some like how to say the bias by the consulting because I I think my my friends like know me better and for some like the secrets I don't want to share to the stranger. And she also feels like she's not alone in this situation. You know, if there like other people, people have the same situations as you, you'd rather talk to them. Like if I have something wrong with me and. I will talk to my friend, and my friend will be the certain like the certain amount like like she, like she's my friend, and they gradually like know my things. But if I won't talk to the the consulting, the doctor, I need to tell them the whole story. It takes a long time, and I need to talk in English. It's very you know it's it's very complicated, and you know um and there's a a culture difference. Like if there's something with my family, if my family struggle, like if my Like the you know how to deal with certain things, but you know American people and the Chinese people they 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 in a different culture, so they will like deal with the thing in totally different ways. So I just feel like they cannot help me. This also has to do with her cultural upbringing. Oh yeah, I would say in China, like not many people pay attention to your mental thing. I think it really depends on different country. Like in China, like they feel like 
they feel like, okay, only I am you. I need to go to the doctor. But the mental issue is not you. Like it's about your emotion. They will feel like, okay, come on, like you are too weak. Like, is that is that like is that necessary to do that? That's why the the therapy is mental therapy is not very popular in China. Another reason would be their fear of leaking secrets and having it spread to other communities. I feel like in the United States, they feel like it's a mental very very important thing. You know, like in the. You know, like like in the in in the hallway or even at the bathroom, there will be a poster. Several posters, actually, all of them saying, "Do you need help?" question mark Come to the counseling center. With more information detailed below, Alina started paying more attention to her surrounding because mental health in the U.S. is seen as an important part of your life. She noticed this especially during the 2016 presidential election. In my business college, my college dean, and also my another major, another, and that college dean, they both sent me an email like, if you need to talk to anyone, just come to the office or something like that. But in China, that will not happen. At first, I feel like okay, American people are so like fragile. I think it's not necessary to do that. I just feel how to say that. Like there's a word in Chinese called the the, the glass hurt. Like it's very fragile. Alina's answer made me reflect on how politics plays an important role in viewing mental health. In China, the people don't choose or vote their leader; it is rather chosen for them. And after talking more about this, Alina shares that politics isn't really a priority in her life. In the U.S., however, politics is part of the nation's identity. So I decided to talk to Sammy Luke, a sophomore here at MSU who is diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I wanted to get an American perspective on this. My parents got a divorce when I was about seven, and the divorce kind of set off a like a string of, you know, psychological issues with my brother and I. Because of the divorce, she primarily stayed with her mother, and they were struggling financially. This caused high levels of anxiety for her as a kid. She would overthink everything she said, and was afraid of being seen as an outcast. I like. Always had this really irrational fear of being like lesser than people,、um, whether it be you know socially, like the way I look, or you know even like having less money than people. For some reason, I grew up in like a really rich place, so the fact that my parents didn't have as much money as people was always a very like a point of.、Um, It, it was something I was really self-conscious about growing up. This fear and constant anxiety produced depression for Sammy. It started in the seventh grade. Right around then is when I like self-harmed for the first time, and that was never like a huge issue with me. I I did it for a while in high school, but it would it was very sporadic. It would only happen when I got really really upset,、um, and I was lucky that eventually like. I think I was a junior in high school when I just realized, like, hey, you're you're giving yourself all of these scars on your body. Like, do you really want to have these scars for the rest of your life all over your body? And so she stopped because she was embarrassed by it. But she still experienced depression on and off from the seventh grade until junior year. That's when she started seeing a therapist and started taking antidepressants because Sammy thought she was depressed. But the medication didn't work. Which indicated that she did have bipolar disorder, which means that you you go from mania, which is like a very happy,、um, 
energetic, uh, product, sometimes productive, sometimes it's like not productive for people, but for me it's usually hypomania, which is like a lesser version of mania. So it's um, sort of productive for me. It's very, yeah, like I, I'm just very capable of doing everything that I need to do. Um, so I go between mania and depression almost constantly. I mean, sometimes I'm, you know, sometimes I'm normal. It's not always that I'm in like one of these two states, but um, yeah, I go back and forth constantly. She wasn't diagnosed until senior year of high school when she was admitted to the hospital. And even after that, she had to research her symptoms on her own and determine what kind of medication needs to be taken for her type of condition. Oh, it's it's terrible because like, Again, psychiatric drugs are really not something you should be messing with. I, like, hate myself for taking psychiatric drugs. I literally hate that I have to take Seroquel to make me feel okay. I feel like a piece of garbage for it. So I really don't understand why it's, like, romanticized for people to be like, oh, I'm depressed and I'm going to take these drugs that I might not actually need. Like, if you actually need the drugs, like, if you really, like, can't get up in the, in the morning to go do stuff or, like, you're just, like, you want to, like, actually harm yourself in some way or you have such bad anxiety that it, like, prevents you from living your life by all means you should help yourself go to therapy if they and get see a psychiatrist if they think you need medicine then they think you need medicine although you know like i said some a lot of times psychiatrists specifically will over prescribe my my psychiatrist if i wanted him to give me something he would give it to me it it's not he i don't know you pay him to do this drug companies pay him to do this they really push it on people to keep taking these drugs that some people might not need and I think people don't really look into what the long-term effect is on their brain with when they're using these drugs. So I asked her what could be the reason as to why the U.S. is open to a certain extent on discussing issues of mental health. I think it's because of a lot of the advancements in the U.S. and I think it also there's a lot more pressure on people in the United States to perform in like intellectual way than there are in some other countries, not all. Like obviously we're talking about China, how China is a very competitive place too, Mm -hmm. um, in a different sense. But also if you think about like China, like Asian countries, um, it's pretty much just all school for them, you know what I mean? Whereas here people are more focused on like a variety of different things. Like I've I've read about like, um, I don't know if it's China specifically, but in Asian countries, um, some pe- people will go to school for like eight to five or six or something like that, or like even to tell like, like just very long time, but not like have a job or like do sports or anything like that or any extracurricular activities. It's pretty much just all school. So it's a very different environment from what I know. Um, uh, but I think like it's here, it's socially people are more aware which we're very lucky about so it's more it's like an easier thing for people to talk about and I also think that being in more developed countries allows for us to um, talk about these issues and it also may bring on some of these issues for some people because again it's just a lot of pressure. Sammy's response struck a point in me. The U.S. has definitely achieved progress in terms of free thought, education, and expression. 
Historically, it's produced technology and machines that fuel the world today, like Facebook, Twitter, and aircrafts by the Wright brothers. Personally, I know that I would not have been able to attain work experience and the type of knowledge I've learned if I stayed back home in Indonesia. This is not only because of the quality of education, but also being able to live independently and surviving alone. In the end, listening to Alina and Sammy made me realize one thing. Our life is about balance. In the dawn of time, when the first humans were alive, they primarily hunted, and they moved to hunt, and they hunted to eat, and they used water supplies and rivers and lakes for hydration. Today, on top of that, we're surrounded with extra amounts of pressure like finding a job, technology, and social media, and these other expectations to succeed in not only your health, but also your wealth. So I wonder, have we lost our sight on what matters the most to us? Or is this a new way of survival? Putting your emotional health behind in order to keep pace with the world. For Impact Student Radio, I'm Nina Rao. The music used in this piece is by Ryan Little. You can check him out on YouTube and freemusicarchive.org under Ryan Little or Ryan Little Productions. This has been Loose Ends. You're listening to The Undercurrent, and I'm your host, Cole Tunningly. That was Nina Rao with Loose Ends. You can find her back here every other week. At our weekly news meeting as we were preparing for this episode, Nina and I were talking about the ways that mental health is stigmatized across the world. I've been in the United States my entire life, and here we do talk about mental health. We talk about it in sometimes problematic ways. We talk about it in ways that are sometimes just wrong. But the conversation seems pretty open. Nina made me realize that elsewhere, things are different. It can be even harder than it is here to talk to your friends about it, to talk to your parents about it, or to even admit to yourself that you have a problem. Knowing how horribly mental health is treated in America, it's hard to realize that there are other places where the problem is maybe even worse. That's why we decided to include a list of resources offered here at MSU. For international students, for domestic students, for everyone. The Counseling and Psychiatric Services Department is located on the third floor of Olin Health Center. Any student taking a credit at this university is allowed a free walk-in consultation visit. It's really as easy as walking in and checking in at the desk. 